How you doing, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Episode number five of this podcast. Got lots of stuff to talk about today. Um, we're going to discuss games one and two of the American and National League Division Series, first round of the 2018 MLB postseason. Give you who I think is going to go to and win the World Series. As well as I'll recap week four action around the National Football League and give you my uh, thoughts on week five action coming up later this afternoon. First things first, um, let's go to the Colorado Rockies and the Milwaukee Brewers series in the National League. Um, the Colorado Rockies had to, they lost their National League West division tiebreaker Monday against the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they had to beat the Chicago Cubs in the wildcard game um, the day after that, uh, t- uh, Tuesday, in order, for, in order for them to get to this point. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers, they had to beat the Chicago Cubs in the National League West tiebreaker or National League Central tiebreaker, excuse me, in order for them to get here, and which they did, and that got the division lead for them, or the division title for them, and thus the number one seed in the National League postseason pool. So game one between the Rockies and the Brewers um, was Thursday afternoon, and um, the Brewers won that game on a walk-off, final score of 3-2, to two. Joaquin Soria got the win for the Brewers. Adam Otavino for the Colorado Rockies. He gets the loss. Um, Came off a hit off of uh, Mike Moussakis, who the Brewers traded for in a trade deadline, who was in his final, who was finishing up a one-year deal with the Kansas City Royals. He got the walk-off single. That scored what what is in my eyes, and those of you who watch baseball and baseball fans who would agree, he scored a uh, Christian Yelich, who is bound to be National League MVP and was also oh close from winning the Triple Crown for National League in the National League for a batting le- for batting title leaders. It's batting average, home runs, RBIs. Um, Christian Yelts was also close. Had a chance with the tiebreaker. That's game 163, an extension of the regular season. But he failed to do so. So heading into yesterday, the uh, Friday night into yesterday, um, the Brewers had a 1-0 lead in the series. They played game two yesterday afternoon, and they got the win. Uh, Julia Shashin for the Milwaukee Brewers got the win. Um, Anderson got the loss. And Jeffress, their closer, got the win. So the Brewers got 2-0 in the NLDS. And in a large part, um, in a large part, uh, because of Mike Moustakis, who went 2-4 for four with an RBI, as well as uh, Perez and Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw went 2-3. for three. You know, he didn't have an RBI, but he, but he walked. Um... It so was a well-pitched game by uh, the Milwaukee by uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, for nothing. 
I mean, postseason baseball. Good pit, you know. It's, it's a little different than regular season baseball, you know. Good, good pitching stops good hitting, especially during this time of the year. And granted, the Brewers playing in a uh, domed environment, but um, but uh, the but well, when they go to uh, Colorado uh, tomorrow to play uh, game th- or today actually in Colorado to play uh, game three, uh, it's gonna be different. You know, I'm not sure what the weather is in uh, Colorado, but. It's not going to be 80 degrees sunshine for long, so in good in good pitching stops good hitting, and in cold weather games, the pitching has the advantage because the ball doesn't fly out as much as it would during the summertime, and the hitters their hands are going to sting swinging a bat. Just look at just look at the uh, how just look at the scores and and how the just look at the uh, final scores and the scoring in the first month and a half of the of the of uh, this 2018 regular season i mean when it was uh when it was 45 degrees and raining and you saw that the uh, pitching had an advantage um heading into game three today uh the colorado rockies who need to win this game best of five series uh you you know if the uh, brewers win this game they move on to the nlcs so very important that the Rockies win this uh, win this game today, and they're gonna have to uh, take it to a game five in order for them to win. Um, it's Wade Miley, former Oriole, on the mound for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Um, for the Rockies, it is German. Marquez on the mound for the Rockies. Um, right-handed pitcher, uh, number forty-eight. Uh, stats this season: he was fourteen and eleven with three point seven seven ERA with a one point two WHIP. Um, they're gonna need a big game out of him today. Uh, win or go home. Wade, excuse me, Wade Miley for the Brewers. Five and two, two point five seven ERA with one point two one WHIP. Um, very important. They gotta win this game today. Uh, game starts at uh, four thirty-seven. So, you know, uh, if you either get sick of the football or the games aren't as good, and you're a baseball fan, suggest you uh, watch those games later this afternoon. Um, very important that the Rockies win this game again. Uh, they don't win this game. Uh, it is uh, a coup de gras to the 2018 Colorado Rockies. And the Brewers, I mean, they're pitching. And let me take Josh Hader out the bullpen. He is something special. I mean, and that's why plenty of people, and I'll give you my uh, picks to go to the World Series in a minute, but many people think that the Brewers are going to make it to the World Series, not only because they got National League MVP Christian Yelich on their team, but because, especially in the, in the postseason, a dominant shutout bullpen is key. I mean, you... Look at the 2014 San Francisco Giants. Look at them. Even though Madison Bumgarner was their secret weapon and starter. Look at them. 2015, um, Kansas City Royals, they won it all against the, against the Mets. Their starting rotation wasn't all that great, but they had a dominant bullpen. Wade Davis, for example, who's actually on this Rockies team this year, he was their Josh Hader for their team last year. 2016, Cubs got a roll to Chapman and the Yankee tree. 
even though he was a little, he was spotty in that game seven, getting up that uh, game tying two run home run to Rajay Davis, which uh, sparked some life back into the game. But look at them, secret weapon. No, notice the trend in all of these teams that end up winning it all. They have that one dominant starter that can uh, that can put the that can put the uh, losing team to bed if necessary. So that's their secret weapon. I'll give you my World Series picks in a minute. But uh, the, but if do not, but if the Brewers have a lead late in the game, it's game over. Cause the Rockies cannot touch Josh Hader so far in this series, and I don't think they are today. I think the Brewers are gonna win and uh, on the road and sweep the Colorado, Colorado Rockies in this National League Division series. On to the other. National League Division Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers, home field advantage, they got their first two games at home. Game tonight is at 8 o'clock on FS1. Uh, the Sunday night game tonight between the Cowboys and the Texans really does not interest me. So I'll be uh, my attention tonight will be more on Dodgers and Braves than it is the Sunday night game. Bad game for NBC. Um, if the game was on Fox, uh, football would take a huge hit with their Sunday night game. But anyway, the Dodgers, back-to-back games, Dodgers up 2-0, back-to-back games, the Dodgers pitching has shut, has shut them out. Uh, Hunjin Ryu in game one, uh, went seven innings, gave up four hits, didn't, uh, didn't walk anybody, struck out eight, um, Great start, great game by them. Meanwhile, on the offensive side, um, Kike, Kiki, do you love me? Hernandez um, hit a home run off of former Oriole Brad Brock in the sixth inning. Max Muncy had a home run himself, as well as Jacques Peterson off of Fulte Newich. Um, and that's pretty much the uh, scoring for the Dodgers. Uh, ben Machado, former Oriole, went 0 for 3. Uh, struck out three times, but hey, his game two does get better. Game two, which was pitched by uh, Clayton Kershaw, who has had his demons in the postseason in recent years. Um, he defeated those demons um, Friday night. Uh, went eight innings, gave up two runs, only struck out three surprisingly, but uh, only gave when had an eight in had a eight. Eight inning, two hit shutout going, um, and Kenley Jansen, who's going to have heart surgery at the end of the season, who was proceeding with his um, roles in the postseason with caution. He came in to get the save, gave up one hit, struck out one guy, as the Dodgers pitching shut down the uh, Atlanta Braves hitting, which has not done very well. I mean, around even though Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, went two for four, but guys, any production of Freddie Freeman, Nick Markakis, all had offers uh, Friday night, and they're going to need a big-time performance out of him. Meanwhile, on the Dodgers' side, um, they had Yasmani Grandal and former Oriole Manny Machado go deep, um, and Puig also went two for one, so the Dodgers, look, you this game was won by the final score three to nothing. Uh, combined hits were eight. So you see, in the postseason, hits are very hard to come by in the postseason. Like I said, good pitching stops good hitting, and it's more about 
Do you have that eight ace on your staff? In uh, the Astros case last year was Justin Verlander, and in the Dodgers case is Clayton Kershaw. And with the Brewers case, it's, you know, someone like Josh Hader who can come in, you know, late in the game, tight, two to one game, three nothing game, you know, five four game, and can come in and can shut down the opponent. They play tonight, eight o'clock on FS1 in SunTrust Park. Um, got Sean Newcomb, left handed pitcher, going for the Atlanta Braves. Um, pitched two innings in relief early in this postseason. Uh, was a perfect outing. Um, this regular season, he's 12 to 9 with a 3.90 ERA with a 1.33 whip. And on the Dodgers side, going for them is Walker Bueller, who went 8 and 5 with a 2.62 ERA and a whip under 1. Going for the uh, Dodgers lineups have not been released at this time. I've been I'm recording this uh, podcast for you, but the Braves, especially Nick Markakis and Freddie Freeman Acuna, gonna need a big their top three hitters. That's that's driven them to this point. They won the their uh, National League Eastern title. They're gonna need a big game out of them tonight in order for them to uh, stay alive in this series. Um, game four would be October the 8th, so tomorrow at uh, 4.30 in the afternoon. And game five would be Wednesday at in, back in L.A. on October the 10th at 8 o'clock if necessary. Um, but the Braves going to need a big game out of, uh, it's going to need Sean Newcomb to uh, shut him down, shut down Manny Machado, Max Muncy, and uh, Jock, Jock Peterson and crew, and Justin Turner as well. Those guys are not easy outs, and uh, if those guys get hot, it's going to be open season on the Atlanta Braves. Meanwhile, the Braves bats, they got to get going. They've been shut out back-to-back games here in this first-round series. Nick Marquecas, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, bats got to wake up in order for them to uh, keep their chances of competing for a World Series alive. Moving over to the American League, um, the Indians go with Indians and the Dodgers. Indians, excuse me, Indians and the Astros first. Astros up two nothing, up on Cleveland. A uh, game one, which was played Friday afternoon, uh, the uh, Astros won by a final score of seven to two. Um, Justin Verlander got a win. Corey Kluber, who has had his own demons in the postseason, go back and look. He has been awful. Especially in in the uh, he was not great in Game Two against the Yankees last year, and in Game Five against the Yankees he was an absolute mess. So he's had his own demons in the postseason as of late, and that's just his last three postseason starts dating back to last year's uh, ALDS against the Yankees. Um, he got he took the loss. Um, Alex Bregman, J- uh, George Springer, Jose Altuve, and Martín Maldonado all homered for the Astros. All homered for the Astros. Um, Robert Roberto Osuna, coming from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, came in and shut it down in the last inning for the Astros, as they took a one nothing lead heading into yesterday. Uh, Garrett Cole was on the mound for the uh, Houston Astros while uh, they call him Cookie Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco for the um, uh, Cleveland Indians 
was on the mound for Cleveland. Roberto Osuna got to save Francisco Lindor with uh, the Indians' only run of the game, of the ball game. He hit a home run as well as Alex Bregman as well. Low-scoring game. Uh, Indians had a one nothing lead heading into the bottom of the sixth inning when they absolutely uh, spit the bit. Um, Garrett Cole, 12 strikeouts in his seventh, seven, seven inning outing. Um, had Marlon Gonzalez with the, with his, uh, RBI double in the sixth, like off of Andrew Miller, that, that, uh, sparked, that, uh, sparked the comeback for Houston as they came back in that two run sixth inning. Marlon Gonzalez with his double off of Andrew Miller, who's been pretty dominant in the postseason as of late, but he won yesterday. Uh, he was getting tagged as the Indians blew a one nothing lead as they go down 2-0 on the brink of elimination today, uh, or tomorrow, actually, against in Cleveland, where it is Dallas Keuchel, who was 12-11 with 3.74 ERA, going for the sweep for the, for the uh, Houston Astros against Mike Clevenger, who's 13-8. With a 3.02 ERA in the regular season. Uh, in his career in the postseason, he has a 6.43 ERA with uh, six strikeouts and a uh, whip at two even. Very important game for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, have to win this game. Have to, have to, have to. to stay. Cleveland, Colorado, Atlanta backs all up against the wall in all of those teams. Gotta uh, wake up their big bats, whether it's uh whether it's Charlie Blackman and Carlos Gonzalez for the Rockies or or Acuna Jr., uh, Nick Markakis and Freddie Freeman for the Brewers, or here with uh Cleveland with Lindor, Kipnis, and Carnacion and Josh Donaldson, all those big bats have to wake up because all because same case with all the other teams. The pitches they're going up against, they are they are not they are not to be taken lightly. Keuchel and Verlander for the Astros and and Hayter for the Brewers and uh, Kershaw and Jansen for the Dot. All they ha those guys have big time not only starting rotations at least except for the Brewers of course, but all have big time bullpens and again late in the game, close game. Indians can get a hit. It's going to be, uh, which is really a shame because this might be the Indians' last chance to make a, a World Series push. They went on that huge historical win streak last year. Got number one seed, best record in all of baseball. Not best record in all of baseball, but best record in the American League. And they got the number one seed, had a 2-0 lead up against the Yankees. And, and Corey Kluber, like I just said, you know, vomit all over himself and blew a lead in, uh, and let the Yankees come back in five games. That game is tomorrow at one thirty on TBS, which, you know, I'm not sure why would they put these games during the weekday in the afternoon, you know, expecting people to get off of work to go see the Indians play. But, um... Why they would put the game at one thirty? I have no idea. But anyway, that's baseball's problem, not ours or mine. But um, if you're interested, one thirty on TBS tomorrow afternoon. Now we get to the real series.
You know, the Indi the Indians, Braves, and Rockies can all say goodnight within the next 24 hours from now. A series I expect, and if you're into it, you should expect to go five games too, is this Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, yes. Last time these two teams met in the postseason was 14 years ago uh, in the 2004, in a classic historical 2004 ALCS. Red Sox coming back down 3-1. They come back and beat the New York Yankees. En route to their curse-breaking 2004 championship season, where they went on to later sweep the Cardinals. Um, series tied at one game apiece. The Yankees won uh, last night. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's revisit Game One. Chris Sale was on the mound for the Boston Red Sox up against J.A. Happ, who the Yankees got in a trade from the Toronto Blue Jays earlier. In the uh, midseason, uh, Craig Kimbrell got the save and Judge Homer for the Yankees. Uh, J.D. Martinez, their MVP, the American League MVP candidate, most think, he and Mookie Betts. He homered in the game last night as the Red Sox won by the final score of 5-4. to four. Um, it, was a, it was a close game. Uh, Benintendi went 2-4. for four. With a uh, one two for four, Mookie Betts with one for three. JD Martinez, I told you, homered. He went two for four. Uh, Xander Bogarts, he went one for three. Mookie Betts had a double in the ball game. Uh, Bogarts, Martinez, and Steve Pierce, who's made his rounds across the entire American League Eastern Division, they all got RBIs. Um, Red Sox left were three for six. And with runners in scoring position, they left six on base. Manintendi had a stolen base. Chris Sale went five and a third with five hits, two runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Craig Kimball got safe pitching in the third, gave up a hit and a run, and struck out three. And that run was a home run off the bat. Excuse me, off the bat of uh, Aaron Judge who homered last night in a Yankees 6-2 victory. David Price, who never wins a big game in the postseason, completely overpaid. He stinks. I mean, 2014 against my Baltimore Orioles, game three at home. He wet the bed. Nelson Cruz, uh, you know, home run. He's on, I mean, David Price never, never, ever a big-time pitcher in the postseason. And it's reared its ugly head last night as uh, – Aaron Judge homered in the game, as well as Gary Sanchez, who had who's had a season to forget for the most part, whether it's uh, him not hustling down the line in the series late in August against the Rays, he, him being injured, um, call undisciplined, lazy, you know, not doing a good job blocking balls behind the plate. Uh, his bat was had an off year compared to last year. He really bounced back last night, hitting two home runs while Xander Bogarts hit one for the Red Sox. Uh, Aaron Judge had a two-for-four night with a walk, and he homered as well. Giancarlo Stanton went one-for-five with a strikeout. Um, Yankees need to see more production out of Stanton, um, and the Yankees had to beat the uh, had to beat the. Oakland A's in the American wildcard game at home, which they did to get to this point. Um, Oakland A's pitched 
and did one of those opener things where you when you just throw out nine relievers in the ball game, which I am not for that analytical garbage for the uh, for the nerds who are you know twenty five years age with with the glasses drinking the diet cokes with the computers uh, with the Microsoft Service computers. You know, the Harvard Yale graduate who's never played baseball, who's really not it, who's really not a baseball fan, baseball historian like yours truly, you know, says, uh, let's just throw out nine in it, nine different starting pitches out there expecting, uh, you know, you throw nine different elite relievers out there and you keep changing them, changing them, and changing them. Eventually, one of the, one of the uh, darts not going to hit the bullseye on the uh, dartboard. So and it backfired on them as the as the uh, Oakland A's who came within five games of winning their division won ninety seven games. They uh, New York Yankees made them say good night. But anyway, back to last night's game. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon said went two for four. Gary Sanchez went two for five. Uh, Gary Sanchez with the homer off of David Price and another one off of. Rodriguez back in the seventh inning. Team went two for ten with uh, runners on base. Uh, they left eight total men on base. Masahiro Tanaka had the start for the Yankees. He went five five solid with a run, giving up four strikeouts, walked the man, and gave up three hits. Zach Brit- Batances came in two innings in relief, gave up t- gave up a run and two hits. Shock out one. Um, Britain came in from Oriole. Uh, you know that's what you that's what that's what you expect if you're a uh, watching the series. You're going to see you know starter pitch five six style innings, and you're going to see the lineup of Batanzas, Britain, and Chapman for the rest of the uh, way, and that's going to be the Yankees' secret weapon to get them to uh, where they want to go, and that's to uh, make it to the World Series. Those good pitching stops, good hitting. I mean, I'm this. I am not making this up. And when you have a the rotation's a little iffy. But when you have a bullpen that has Dylan Batances, a Rollis Chapman, and Zach Britton in it, that's uh, that's a force to be reckoned with. Same with the um, same as with the Brewers bullpen and them having Josh Hader on their uh, in their bullpen. Game three is tomorrow night at 7.40 on TBS. Rick Porcello, who's 17-7 with a 4.28 ERA in the regular season, is going up against Luis Severino, who the Yankees thought would be their, their golden ticket, their ace in this postseason, but he has fallen off the second half of the season. Uh, he's fallen off the second half of the season. His postseason stats is 1-1 with a 4.5 ERA, 19 strikeouts, one point. Three five whip. He was what the Yankees thought was going to be the secret weapon heading into the postseason, but he fell off uh, towards the end, and we'll see what happens in a game three that should be interesting, folks. Seven forty first pitch uh, Monday night goes up against Monday night football. Uh, I'll check. I have to be reminded. We'll. I'll get to the Monday night football game later on as we touch the football. Um, but that goes up against Monday Night Football tomorrow night. And Game 3 between the Yankees and the Red Sox series heads to the Bronx. Game tied at one apiece. Uh, the Red Sox beat, took the American League Division title against the uh, New York Yankees. 
They won it by eight games. Red Sox won 108 and 54. Yankees won 162 in uh, the regular season ALE standings. And um, before we get to a break, give you my 2018 postseason predictions. Um, I made these predictions just as of note. I made these before um, the wild card game. So that's why I have the Cubs going to the uh, National League Division Series against the Brewers. So we'll cancel that pick right there. Um, Brewers and Rockies. Um, and I'm not going off of the fact that the series lead because I have the Indians going to the World Series beating Houston, which would then beat Boston. I had the A's beating the Yankees, so that backfired on me. So Yankees and and Red Sox, I'm gonna pick the Red Sox going up against the Indians, who I think will come back from a uh being down to well against Houston, I'm sick of Houston. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of Han- I'm sick of Houston. I'm sick of Verlander. I'm sick of the Hurricane Harvey stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sick of Guriel with his you know with his little racist jokes. I'm sick of Correa, you know who th- who thinks that uh, he he th- who thinks that uh, you know the Fox cameras and Ken Rosenthal was there to interview him after the game seven the World Series. To propose to his dopey girlfriend at a at quarter to one in the morning. All the games in the series was over four hours long. You know, trophy presentation and uh, let's hit the sack. I know you don't care, but uh, rest of America wants to go to bed. Thank you. So I'm down on Houston. I want Cleveland to go all the way to the World Series. Uh, Red Sox, I think, are going to beat the Yankees. I think they'll go to the ALCS. We on the National League side. I think the Brewers are going to top. I had the Brewers going to the NLCS anyway. Josh Hader, Christian Yelich, that's going to be their secret weapon. As I got the Dodgers beating the uh, Braves, beating the Braves in the uh, NLDS up 2-0. Again, I made these picks before the postseason started, so that's my uh, disclaimer, my alibi. I got Dodgers and Brewers in the NLCS. I'm going Dodgers because they have Manny Machado and Clayton Kershaw. Hopefully they will both show up in that series if that does to occur, which looks like it will. Um, And I'm going to pick the Dodgers to go to the World Series. Pick Cleveland to go to the World Series. I'm going to pick Cleveland to win in six games. And those are my 2018 postseason picks. Recapped games one and two of the National League and American League Division Series. When we come back, we'll recap week four in the NFL, including Andy Dalton's last-second clutch game-winning drive on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Back after this. Yes, welcome back to the Amateur Like a TIA's podcast. Um, switching gears to the NFL um, week four of the 2018 NFL season was last week. I'm going to pick a few games for me to recap, and then we'll get on to week five, give you picks, and then get on up out of here. Um, game number one of week four I want to talk about with you today is my Cincinnati Bengals went on the road to the 2-1 and one Cincinnati Bengals, went on the road to play the 1-2 and two Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, Home of Super Bowl 53. Hope to see my Bengals back there 
again this season. Doesn't, you know, chances, you know, like 2%. But, you know, you never know. That's why you play the games. Um, Andy Dalton. My guy, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, who those of you who know me know that I have critiqued and criticized and jumped on him for years. Not winning playoff games and stinking up the joint and bonehead interceptions. and I've killed him. But what was there to kill last week? i tell you what was there to kill last week. That Atlanta Falcons defense. That's what's there to kill. Eddie Dalton, 29 completions for 41 passing attempts, 337 passing yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Tyler Boyd had 11 centers for 100 yards. A.J. Green, John Ross, Tyler Eifert all had receiving touchdowns in that game. I tell you, Andy Dalton, what a brother this guy is. I mean, I know I can get on him and give him a hard time, but I have his jersey on right now. I mean, we're about to, we're home against the Dolphins today. I feel pretty confident about it. Dolphins got smacked around by Tom Brady, who looked like his normal, uh, as much as I hate to admit it, his normal greatest of all time, greatest quarterback of all time, first ballot Hall of Famer have himself as he killed the Dolphins at home last week. I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about my, uh, about so thank you, Brady, for doing what you do best and making a mockery out of the Miami Dolphins. So I can walk around with the swagger and the confidence that I have. And I think that my Cincinnati Bengals are going to take business. They played a rough road stretch first quarter of the season. Second quarter of the season, you got to come to the jungle now and beat us. We're 3-1. Three, we're 2-1 on the road. 1-0 at home. Last home game excuse me, was week two uh, Thursday night football against the uh, Ravens. So... So I'm so I'm feeling pretty. I got my Andy Dalton jersey on. Bengals. So I'm I'm pretty confident. I, I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm I'm pretty confident in my Bengals. And you ask me, well, John, why you should why you should be so confident? Man, I tell you why I should be confident in my Bengals because we're three and one. Okay, we beat the week one. We took care of business against the Indianapolis Colts. Coming back from a deficit, that's never easy. This is. It's still the NFL. Week two, we beat division rival Baltimore Ravens, who we pretty much dominated for one half, but Bengals got a bungle, I guess, so which made the game closer than it actually was. We beat Baltimore, who plenty say is one of the top teams in the uh, AFC, if not the entire NFL. That's number one. So that you got 2-0 and heading into week three. Week three, you know, uh, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. Our defense, though, I, I got to admit, is nothing to write home about. But our offense, oh, boy. Did you see? I get it. Atlanta is depleted with injuries, especially all over the secondary. But, boy, what was a weak spot for us last year is not a weak spot for us anymore. All three of our wins this season, we've won uh, – We've won over. We've scored over thirty points. We we beat the uh, we beat the Colts by over by thirty points. Well, scoring, putting up thirty points. Go back and look. We week two at home against the Ravens. We won thirty. We scored thirty points on the on the board. Go back and look. Um, we beat the uh, Falcons last week. 
30 points. Go back and look, which we had to do. I'm sitting up here watching the game with my father and my brother. I'm saying, I'm saying, I said, Dad, Ian, I said, I said, we're going to have to put up 30 points. I, I could already, it only took me two possessions. It was like 14 all, something like that. It only took me two possessions. I said, I said, yeah, whoever win, whoever wins this game is going to be the one that either gets the ball last or it's going to be the team that's offense and makes the first mistake because both offenses were 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 on were on point to the max. Matt Ryan, twenty nine for thirty nine, four hundred and nineteen yards, three touchdown passes. Again, our de our, our defense is nothing home to write about, but when our offense, which was absolutely disgusting last year, is putting up the numbers that they're putting up with Andy Dalton. Throwing over for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, limiting the interceptions like it is anything. And I got Tyler Boyd, Mr. 4th and 12th himself, with 11 receptions, 100 yards. And I still got A.J. Green getting into the end zone and John Ross is even getting a piece of the offense. I got I to gotta feel pretty confident. But again, on the, uh, on the Atlanta uh, Falcons side. Julio Jones, nine receptions, 173 yards. Used him as a decoy a lot to get Calvin Ridley the ball, especially when they needed it. He got had two receiving touchdowns in the game. Muhammad Sanu, former Bengal, six receptions, 111 yards. It really, I, I think this is it was one of the best games of the year, at least in my opinion. It was not, just, and I get it. He's gonna say, "Well, yeah, Bengals won." You know, come back seven seconds. It, if you're a football fan and you appreciate high flying, high powered offense and lots of scoring, you you would have liked and have appreciated that game to full capacity because that was a great football game. Back and forth, offenses scoring back and forth. The scoring did, died down a little bit, especially in the third quarter. The scoring did die down a little bit. You know, that both teams couldn't put the ball in the end zone to save their lives. You finally saw. Punting units in fourth down, something we didn't see a lot, in, if if at all, in the first half of that ball game. But I tell you what, if you're me, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan listening to this, we have nothing to, outside of our defense, again, nothing to write home about. Matt Ryan threw for over 400 yards, three touchdown passes. Julio Jones, 173 receiving yards. Muhammad Sanu, 111 receiving yards. Come really had two receiving touchdowns. But offensively, we have nothing to worry about, especially after that Dolphins defense gave up 38. Now, I, get it. I know it's Brady. I know it's Belichick. But, again, but, but and I get it. They got Gronk. But, you know, nothing tells me, nothing's telling me we can't do, we can't do the same thing, if not better. And I'll get to the Bengals-Dolphins game in a little bit. But, you know, Atlanta Falcons have had a hard-fought game. Uh, bat, uh, defense, I mean... What you gonna do? You got a you got a bang. Your defense is banged up. You know it's not, it's not really much, not really much you can do. So, you know they gave their best effort. But Andy, how about Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis driving down the field, literally using almost every single second of the clock. They got the ball back with like four forty something left in the game. I I forget, but four forty something left in the game. They got it at about their own twenty yard line. And Andy Dalton and crew methodically marching down the field, completing passes, getting key fourth and third and longs when they needed them, avoiding avoiding uh, turnovers. How, and how about I tell you, I got nervous when Andy Dalton threw that ball 
and the and I saw the ball leave his hand for a half a second. I said, <gasps> "Oh God, here we go. Bengals going to Bengals. Don't lose this game." And then he and then he and then he maintained possession. As soon as that happened, and as we got like when we got those two fourth fourth downs, I I, said, I had a feeling we were gonna win this game. And and lo and behold, we marched out inside the red zone. AJ on AJ Green on a uh, on a on a on a on a uh, slant route, uh, diving catch. Bengals move on to three one. I'll get to that Bengals Dolphins game in a little bit. But I'm um, stay with and just a few notes here. AJ Green has seven fourth quarter touchdowns in his career, tied tied for second in active wide receivers since 2011 when he came into the league. Um. And Bengals first win in Atlanta since 1987 at Fulton, at Old Fulton County Stadium. But my Bengals are a force to be reckoned with, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you want to admit it or not, the Bengals are a force to be reckoned with. The Steelers stink. They they have they have the the worst defenses, worst Steelers defenses I've ever seen. The defense stinks. They can't, they can't make tackles. They let they're making Joe Flacco look like Johnny Unitas out there last week. They stink, along with and 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 you know the other problems that they have that I've mentioned plenty of times on this show. They stink. Ravens they gotta show me something, but I think this is a two team division race as far as I'm concerned between the Ravens and and the Bengals. I really think so. The Steelers stink. The Browns, I think they're going to win some games, but they're not winning the division under any circumstances, especially when I got Hugh Jackson punting the ball on fourth and inches late in the game. I don't, I don't care if you're on the one-yard line with with alligators with alligators behind you not bite, bite, biting you at the ankles. I don't care. Fourth and inches, tight game. You just won a game on national TV against the Jets. You want to see if you can, you want to prove to America that your losing ways has changed. You want to get on a two-game winning streak. The the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden, who, has, who is, at the time was winless, Gruden can't get out of his own way, throwing players underneath the bus with that, including that bonehead asinine Khalil Mack trade. You know, backs up against the wall. You got John Gruden, you know, wondering, well, gee whiz, I mean, boy, is this guy over there. You got all this going in your favor, and then you punt him. I know the official screwed up, but come on now. So, so you can kiss the Browns goodbye for the division and Steelers as well. I think this is a two-team race between the Bengals and the Falcons, and that's why that matchup in November, um, pull it up right quick. That's why I think that matchup in November in Baltimore, which I'm going to, by the way, between the Bengals and the Ravens, that's why that matchup is going to be so crucial. That's week 11, November the 18th. That's why that matchup is going to be so crucial because of the Ravens and Seals keep playing the way they're playing now. That matchup's going to have some key big-time playoff and division implications to it. And don't be surprised. I mean, I th- thought the Bengals were going to go seven and nine. You know, uh, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven at best. But this team's looking. This team has the looks of an eleven and five, twelve and four type team. I mean, if they if they can get their defense straightened out, and if their offense and Andy Dalton, you know, limits the mistakes, limits the uh, interceptions, if they can get that running game going again, which they had the first two games of the season, and Andy Dalton keeps. Putting up numbers he's putting up, and Tyler Boyd, AJ Green coming in in a clutch. 
I think the Bengals gonna be forced to forced to be reckoned with it with within the AFC North for playoffs. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care if Stephen A. Smith. Well, they never won playoff victories. Steve, Steve, Steve. Your your Pittsburgh Steelers have not won a championship in ten years. Okay, your team is a walking soap opera, literally and figuratively. Every single time you turn around, there's drama that doesn't concern stuff that's on the football field. Whether it be offensive linemen and players talking behind Le'Veon Bell's back, dissing him about his contract situation, you know, Mike Tomlin and I get into the locker room disciplined and together and organized, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger and his, and his garbage you got to put up with, or Antonio Brown tweeting, well, look here and trade me, or him, um... Or him threatening an ESPN writer, or 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 um, James Harrison, you know, unleashing his um, unleashing his uh, pet peeves about Tomlin or anything. I mean, every single time you turn around, it's something with the Pittsburgh Steelers and I and Steve and Stephen A. Smith. I mean, who I love and who I look up to him in the business and who I admire and and respect. But I but I, I but yeah I I he and I. And up until that 2015 wildcard game, uh, you know, I really didn't, you know, I I really didn't listen. I agree with him now. I agree Marvin Lewis should be out the door. But, but in all, but 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 in all fairness, what in the world does that have to do with the 2018 NFL season? Yes, he's he he hasn't won a playoff victory. Yes, I know he's been there a long time and hasn't gotten fired. I understand that. But and but but let's be fair. You know, Mike Tomlin is is, is not Chuck Noll. I mean, let, 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 let's be honest. Do you think Chuck Noll would would allow um, Lynn Swan to go on the sideline and and throw tantrums and say and saying bring me the ball or 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 th- or threaten or threaten a member of of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette newspaper? You think you think that you think that would fly under Chuck under Chuck Noll? You think that would let, you think he'd let that fly? Do you think Chuck Noll would allow basically Franco Harris would to uh to to run all over and walk all over uh the Rooneys and the team and put his money and his knees before the team when 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 they're trying to sit up here and trying to win championships? You think Noll would allow that to happen? You think that? Do you think that? Answer is no. So. You know I agree, but in this point in time right now, especially the way his Steelers are going, I can't have the pot calling the kettle black. When, let's be honest, he when let's be honest, if every time the Steelers were in the playoffs, they had to play either Jacksonville or New England, they'd get beat every single time. You know, Andy Reid chokes games away. Not to mention that that uh, that Eric Fisher penalty, the offensive tackle for the Chiefs. That cost them the game. So I don't want to listen to them. Two years ago when they played the Chiefs. And they beat Matt Moore at home. That team wasn't going very far anyway. They, you know, the Bengals were bad. The Ravens were bad. You know, someone had to, Broncos, someone had to get, had to get enough. had to get a wild card. And it happened to be them. They went 9-7. and seven. And they were at home. So I'm not writing home about that win either. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not writing. Writing. Writing about that. I'm not writing about that. About that appearance either. I'm. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it.
man. But, but I mean, I mean, come on now. Your team hasn't won a championship in ten years. It's the ten year anniversary of their Super Bowl forty three victory over the Arizona Cardinals. You, you, they've they've done nothing. They made it to Super Bowl in 2010, but look how long ago that was. Not to mention they've lost to Tebow, and they almost got beat by A.J. McCarron if it wasn't for the stupidity of Vontez Burfecht and Adam Pacman Jones. I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't. Win something first. Make sure next time either you play uh, the uh, Patriots and talk up a big game, make sure you can back it up and not get sliced and diced by Brady playing that awful zone defense. Okay? And oh, by the way, when you, when, next time you play an opponent in the, in, the, in the playoffs and you're a high seed and there's a good possibility you, you play New England down the road, do yourselves a favor. Shut up about New England and take a page out of Belichick's book and focus on the game at hand. Focus on the game at hand. Now, I get all over, all over Belichick all day. People know me. I can't stand Belichick in the page as far as I can throw him. But I give Belichick this. His teams are disciplined. You never hear, you never hear Brady. You never hear... Gronk or Edelman or, um, you know, guys on defense like Dante Hightower or Vince Wolfork when he was there talking up, talking up a big game against the uh, against the Steelers or the, or the Ravens when they play them in the playoffs. You never hear it. They're focused on the game and the task at hand. It's not only just in the concept of life is tomorrow not promised to us, but in the concept of football, you never know. One, it's one game. You know, you know, you know, you never, you never know. It's sports. You know, you, you get hurt. It's one game. So, I love you, Stephen A. But I can't have the pot calling the kettle black when your team isn't exactly the uh, 1978 Steelers. No, neither. You guys have more drama th with you than a, than a than a marathon than a than the marathon of of Dallas. Days of Our Lives or Young and the Restless or General Hospital. You pick which one. They have, they have more drama with them than a, than a little bit. So I, I can't listen. I can't listen to that. Well, you know, when the Steelers have Joe Flacco, who beat them last Sunday night, Go twenty eight for forty two with three hundred and sixty three passing yards and two touchdowns, and John Brown having only three receptions for one hundred and sixteen yards and a touchdown. And I can't listen. And James Conner, who after week one I heard was the greatest thing since Franco Harris, who's done nothing these last three games, nine, nine rushes, nineteen yards. I I don't care about his dopey haircut. I don't want to hear about cancer, so not the time. When the Steelers get, got backs to the wall and they're in danger of losing their season, I, all that off-the-field stuff, I don't care.
win win football games and and get your and get your crap together. I'm, I'm sick of the Steelers and all the people at school who you know getting on me for getting all big on my Bengals, as if they're so scared that the Steelers gonna come out the woods middle of the season and come back and whoop everybody. They're not paying attention. This this Steelers team is finished. Finito. Coup de gras. So long. Farewell. Our feet will say good night. Okay, they're done. The defense stinks. Can't tackle anyone to save their lives. And making Joe Flacco of all people look like Johnny Unitas. Okay, this isn't the 2000 Ravens defense. This is the 2018 Ravens defense. That, no. When 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 they needed to make a stop and when they needed to show some guts and and, and put money where their mouth is, week seventeen at home, winning you're in against the Bengals, vomit vomited all over themselves. So I don't want to hear Ravens defense. I don't want to hear it. And Antonio Brown, five receptions, sixty-two yards, and a touchdown pass. I got him throwing tantrums. You need to be throwing tantrums at the at the defensive coordinator. That's who you need to be throwing tantrums to. Granted, Todd Haley wasn't the best, but you need to get rid of that defensive coordinator. It should be next, then after him, Tomlin. Because I've never seen a team more dysfunctional, more disorganized. It's got so much drama and and, and crap with them than this Steelers team. I don't care if Le'Veon Bell comes back or not. This team isn't winning anything. This team isn't doing anything in the 2018 season. I don't care what you say. I don't care about Antonio Brown. I don't care about Rocklisberger. I don't care about well, how many players. I'm talking about right here, right now. Steelers have, Steelers have the NFL's most Super Bowl wins. If they're not careful, if Brady still has one another one of them seasons in them, you know, they're going to pass them. And this is going to look better because more people are going to remember six Super Bowls within a 20-year... More people are going to remember six Super Bowls within a 18-year period than there are about six Super Bowls total four of which that occurred over 40 years ago. The fifth one that happened 13 years ago and the sixth one that happened 10 years ago. So Steelers fans and you Steeler apologists out there, shut your yap, be quiet. I don't need you calling pot calling the kettle black, okay? Quiet. Your your te- your team is a is an absolute disaster, and if Dan Rooney and Dan Rooney and Chuck Noll are rolling in their graves at this, this is not this is not this is not the Steeler the Steeler uh, the Steeler way. I'm so, I'm sorry, but the, the, you can't you can't. First time Steelers League gave up 400 plus offensive yards in three straight games since November 54. 19 rushing yards fewer since 1970. I mean, 
I don't want to hear anything about the Steelers for the rest of the 2018. I don't want to hear it. I don't care if they get if they get John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris, and Bradshaw. I don't care. With and bring back Mean Joe Green and Mike Webster and Tony Dungy. I don't care what they do. Wow. Mike Tomlin is still the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This team will never, ever, 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 ever win anything. There's just nothing else to say. We'll never, ever, ever win anything. And they have nobody to blame. I feel like a broke, broken record saying this, to be honest. They have nobody else to blame but themselves. They had all the pieces in, in the right in, in the order. They took James Harrison for granted. They, they let him go. They had one of the most explosive offense packages going with Rocklesberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. And regardless whose side you're on, it's the Steelers' fault. But as I've said this a thousand times, both of them are at blame. Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers. But Steelers are the organization. They're the one that signs this paycheck, not Le'Veon Bell. And when they look back in 15, 20 years, asking themselves, why didn't we win a championship? It'll be moments like this. Undisciplined. Unkept. Underestimating. Playing down to your opponent. And overall, a, a, a bunch of drama and BS that doesn't really need to be. When they look back on it, when they're old and gray, they'll have nobody else to blame but themselves. We'll come back, talk about Earl Thomas giving his UNC Arc Cylon the bird, preview week five matchups, and picks for week five in the NFL. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're back. Um going to give you one last thing to recap for week four. Um, I'm not going to do more of the game, but I'm going to do more of the story behind it. Last week, the Seattle, Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks went on the road to Phoenix, Arizona to play the Arizona their division rival Arizona Cardinals. They won a game by a final score of 2017. Sebastian Jankowski again with a field goal, but anyway, that's besides the point. The point was Earl Thomas broke his leg on he was defending a touchdown catch early in the game. And he broke his leg. Now, those of you who don't remember, uh, Earl Thomas was in a contract dispute with the Seattle Seahawks earlier in the year. Uh, he wanted a raise. Seahawks didn't give him a raise. They already gave him a raise. They let Michael Bennett and uh they let Michael Bennett, Jimmy Graham, Richard Sherman, everyone else walk out the door. Um Cam Chancellor retired, so that was 
current check he had to retire due to a neck injury. So that's money that he basically cleared out for him. And um, the Seahawks are in a bit of a competitive rebuilding mode. They want to try to be a between a eight to ten win season while rebuilding their franchise. That now that their Legion of Boom era from 2012 to 2014 has slammed shut. Um. He won a race, Seahawks didn't give him a race. So it was a holdout that lasted till week one of the NFL season because he loved his teammates, he loved his coach, he loved the fans. Notice how with players, they love everyone they love everything about an organization except except the except except their boss, their their hierarchy boss, you know. It's Richard it's Earl Thomas he loves the Seahawks as in he loves the team. He loves the team. He loves his players. He loves the coaches. He loves the fans. He can't. He can't. He like. He loves to be careful. But they, like, he can. He, he cannot stand. He can't stand the uh, the members of the front office as far as he can throw them, which is the funniest thing when it comes to athletes in these situations. You know, they love the team. They love the coach. Love their teammates their co-workers and they love the fans but they can't stand they can't stand the front office it's the funniest thing in the world but uh anyway he won the race he also didn't give it to him and really Seahawks you can't blame him you know they paid him once Legion of Boom era is over they need to rebuild you don't want to give a 30 uh a second member of a safety who's in his 30s a huge pay raise because it would hurt the uh it would hurt the uh organization and what they are trying to do so you can understand from seattle's sideline and earl thomas is like i play in the nfl you know i see all these other guys get a raise why can't i well difference between all those other players there earl thomas gonna be in his 30 and once you already get you know once you already get your big payday I thought you really ain't getting another one. So, you know, for example, Maine Machado's going to get his pay, his big payday in the wintertime. You know, you can't expect, you know, and he that payday is going to be for it. So, Maine Machado can't, you know, in 10 years walk out, with, you know, with whatever team he signs with. Let's say for the Philadelphia Phillies, for example, he can't go up to the Phillies at, you know, 34, 35 years age with his, 35, 36 years of age with his hand out asking for another big payday. And then, then, you know, when once you hit 30, you know, especially your mid-30s, but in football, as soon as early 30s, you know, you can't, you can't be giving out money like that, especially once you already had your big payday, especially when your organization's in a, in a different state of being than, uh, than it was when you, you know, played at the point where you, where you were worth that money. And that's what the Seahawks are now. He left out on a stretcher, of course. And as he left the field, he gave the Seattle Seahawks bench the old finger, telling them they're number one, flipped them the bird. Uh, Pete Carroll... Tried to say, you know, they really didn't think anything by it. He's frustrated. What did you expect him to say? Pete Carroll coached at USC. He's a player's coach. You know, he wants to basically try to keep 
the molehill at a molehill and not have it turn into a mountain. So you can understand that. My problem is Earl Thomas himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Earl Thomas is a great football player. Earl Thomas, at least from what I've seen, is a good human being. Been to back-to-back -back Super Bowls as a member of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, if, he, he, he's, he's, he's done a lot of good things for Seattle. Done a lot of good things for the, for the franchise. Been a huge part of the new Seahawks that we've seen with within these last six within these last six years. Born May seventh, nineteen eighty nine, out of Orange, Texas. Went to college at Texas Hook'em, not Hook'em. Is that Hook'em? Yeah. Is, is it? Let, let me know. Uh, I think it's Hook'em uh, Horns with Texas Longhorns make the little, little um thing with your with your hands right there. Six time Pro Bowler, three first team All Pro, two time second team All Pro, Super Bowl forty eight champion. So first round pick in the two thousand and ten draft. So you can see you can uh so they the Seahawks plant the seeds for the for their mini dynasty that they that they planted and he was the uh he was the first seed that was planted back in 2010. So you can kind of understand Earl Thomas being frustrated because you know you you're with an organization a long period of time, you've experienced the ups and downs, the ups and going back going to back-to-back -back Super Bowls, back-to-back -back NFC conference champions and winning the Super Bowl. You can understand his frustration. But in my eyes, it was uncalled for. It wasn't the Seahawks' fault that he that you broke your leg. Okay, it wasn't. I understand he's upset about he wanting his money. But at the end of the day, Earl Thomas has to... And I know he's upset and he's in his emotions and he's in his feelings because because he just got injured and he knows and he knows what's going to become... That's what's going to come behind that. And his argument is, well, you just killed my value. You just killed my value because you just because I broke my ankle. Who's gonna want me now? Well, that's the exact re. Well, what Earl Thomas fails to realize, that's the exact reason why I know why it's not smart for him to look out and try to find this big contract. Because you're 30 years of age, free safety. Come next seat. I mean, you, you can't. You know, especially with certain teams, you know, their needs may be different and they may need a free safety, but at his age, he's not worth paying an arm and a leg for. And then all he says, I'll be, I want to be a cowboy, I want to be a cowboy. Well, the Cowboys' interest right now, they're pretty tight on defense. I mean, the way they've been playing as of late, their defense is not the issue. Their issue is, is, is their offense and they need a receiver. Because Dak Prescott looks pretty overrated and pretty pedestrian, what he's doing right now. And and Zeke is only going to carry you but so many times. And if you're a Cowboy fan, I would not feel comfortable with Cole Beasley 
and uh, Tavon Austin as your wide receiving threats. So what they really need is a wide receiver, but that's besides the point. Now that he, now that old Thomas has broken his leg, who's who's gonna sign him? Other than you know, he's he's answering his own questions. He's like, well, you decreased my value. Well, my value's now decreased because you guys either wouldn't trade me or sign me. So now look at me. Well, if he realized that you're biting, you're biting the hand that feeds you. Cause now, cause now, who's gonna take Earl Thomas now? Who's going to who's going to take him now? The trade was almost in, in play with the Chiefs. They almost had a, had a trade in place for the Chiefs. Who, who's going? With, Chiefs don't want him now. Give him all. Give him all that room, and going and going to let um guys like Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, and Patrick Mahomes. Like, no, they they they're not going to trade for him now. Even though they they're not, not going to get him now. You just broke his leg. They're not going to get him now. Thirty year old broken leg free state. No, no, they're not going to get him now. So who's going to get him? His best chance was with the Seahawks. Had the most leverage with him. Won a championship. Read you his uh, credentials and his accolades that he's had so far in his career. Seahawks are going to be the one that was going to be there for him. And his value is going to be decreased. So they're going to keep him there longer and give it, have him there for a cheaper price. And he flips him off. So it's like, well, we're going to sign you, but since you did that, you know, screw you. You can go right, you know. And if I was Seahawks, that's what I think I'd do. I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't try to sign him. I'd sit up there. I'd let him, you know, come the end of the season, let him walk as a free agent, say, screw you. You can go right. See what team's, what team's going to pay an arm and a leg for your services with a broken leg. You know, so you can't trade, get anything for him. I'd say, I'd say, I'd say, go away. Screw off, Earl Thomas. We were going, you know, fortunate on it that you got injured. And knowing, you know, we can't trade for you now. And no one's going to give you a big money amount, especially now that you had a broken leg. We were the only team that's left. You know, you do that to us, you can go away. And then if you do give the finger, you don't give the finger towards your own sideline. Your players had, your players and teammates had nothing to do with it. You wanna, you wanna give the finger something? Go, give it to the front office. Or look for, look for a TV camera, find it, find it, and do it towards them. You don't do it. You don't take it out on your teammates. Teammates had nothing to do with this. Russell Wilson had nothing to do with this. Um, Doug Baldwin had nothing to do with this. Pete Carroll had nothing to do with this. It was an unfortunate freak injury. It happens. I didn't see, you know, when Richard Sherman tore his Achilles last November in the same building, by the way, tore his Achilles. I didn't, I didn't see him, you know, giving the finger. He was same. He was in the same boat that Earl Thomas is in this year. I didn't see him give him the finger. I didn't, I didn't see him do it. Now, granted, he went and got his money, you know, plus elsewhere. But you know, I didn't see him give him the finger. Why? Cause why? You don't burn your bridges unless you have a boat. Now, either Earl Thomas has a boat, or he's just plain dumb. Cause why would you bite the hand that feeds you when 
when they can only be the only team marketed for your services with the fact that you're 30 years old, free safety in your engine. You, you, could, be, you could be the only team. No one wants no one wants you now. I mean, why are we farting around here? Yeah, I mean, you gonna sit up? I didn't see I didn't see Richard Sherman do this. I didn't see him do this. And it's, again, same boat. It's around the same age. Got drafted about the same time. Within a Earl Thomas got drafted first. Richard Sherman got drafted the year after. That. I didn't see him do this. Because Richard Sherman, Stanford graduate, you know, sharp brain, mind sharp as a tech, he knew. Now, I can't necessarily diss him yet and, and burn and burn this bridge unless I got an, either another bridge to cross, another bridge to cross over, or or or, or a boat to get me to the other side. Because he didn't know. Suppose uh, 49ers didn't give him an offer. No, Seahawks could have been the only team that's left, and he didn't want to burn a bridge. Asking, you see the same thing with Des Bryant. Tell him, I want to come back to the Cowboys after he been circled the wagons. Browns don't want him. Ravens, you know, he didn't go to. He didn't go. Now, now look at him. As crazy as Jerry Jones is, he's right. You know, we don't need you anymore. Told us to buzz off, burn, burn the bridge. Talked to all, talk a, talk a bunch of garbage. Talked a bunch of garbage about him. Now you expect them to take him back? I tell you, that, that cowboy deal that, that Earl Thomas wants bad, that's that deal better being set in stone. Cause if I'm the Seahawks, I want nothing to do with him. He can go rot for all I care. Look at Jerry Jones. What are the Cowboys doing? Des Bryant's crawling right back to him. Jay Jones says, "No, no, you talked, you talked crap about us behind the back. Talk, talked the big, talk, made a big stink about us. Now you simply want us. Now you simply crawling back to me. No, I don't want you anymore. Screw off. I don't want you. What you did, burn bridges. You can go rot somewhere else. We don't need you. I don't care how bad, how bad our wide receiving core is. We don't need, we don't need you." Thomas got to be careful, and if he isn't, you know, it's gonna come back to bite him. It's gonna bite him where it hurts in his wallet. Gonna switch gears to Week Five matchups. Two I'm looking forward to: Jags and Chiefs. Number one defense for the Kansas. Number one defense is the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming off of a win last week. Chiefs coming off of a win. Last week, too. Number one defense gets number one scoring offense. Chiefs undefeated. Looking forward to see how that matchup fares. Vikings and Eagles. NFC Championship rematch. Looking forward to see how that game goes. See if Kirk Cousins and crew can get off the schneid after losing two in a row against the Rams and the against the Bills at home and then the Rams two Thursday nights ago and then the Eagles to see what they can do after they got beaten overtime against the uh, Tennessee Titans NFC Championship rematch. Come back, give you picks, head on up out of here. We'll be back after this. All right, I'll make this fast going up out of here. I've gone into kickoff of the 1 o'clock NFL games. 
So, uh, make this fast, going up out of here. Titans, Bills, taking the Titans. Giants, Panthers, taking the Panthers. Dolphins, Bengals, gave you my reasons why I think the Bengals going to win early in the show. Take the Bengals. Ravens, Browns, I'm going to take the Browns up against the Ravens. The last few times those teams have played, games have been close. I think Browns going to beat uh, Baltimore in this game. Packers, Lions, taking Packers. Jags, Chiefs, talked about earlier. Um, I'm gonna take the Jags to beat the, to end the Chiefs' uh, undefeated season so far. Um, Broncos, Jets taking the Jets and Sam Darnold. Uh, Falcons, Steelers taking the Falcons. They almost beat my Bengals um, last week. Came within all so close again. Don't trust the Steelers. Um, I'm taking the Falcons. Raiders, Chargers taking the Raiders over the uh, Chargers. Raiders got their first win last week. Um, at the aid of Hugh Jackson and Ref Ball. I'm going to take the uh, Raiders to beat the uh, Chargers. Vikings-Eagles NFC Championship rematch. I'm taking the Eagles to go to 3-2. and two. Vikings and Kirk Cousins, I don't really trust. I think they're going to fall 1-3-1. and one. Cardinals and Niners. I'm going to take the Cardinals to beat the 49ers. They're bound to win at some point. Why not it be this week? Rams, Seahawks, Seahawks in for a colossal butt whooping in Jared Goff. I think they're going to improve the 5-0 and in the NFL's best team. And by the account of my picks, the only undefeated team left in football. Um, Cowboys-Texans Sunday night game up against uh, the uh, Yankee... Not really, uh, is it Yankee? No, up against um, I think Dodgers-Braves, I think. Yeah, it's going up against Dodgers-Braves in the primetime slot. Um, I'm gonna take the Texans over the Cowboys. I hope they can get a, a little hot streak going with uh, Deshaun Watson, who's not played that well uh, to begin the season. Monday Night Football between the Redskins and the Saints. The Redskins coming off of a bye week. Saints coming off of a butt whooping of going into MetLife Stadium last week and beating the Giants. I'm gonna take the Redskins over the Giants. So, uh, I gave you a recap of everything and gave you everything that's going on in the world of sports with the MLB postseason and week four and week five in the NFL. Hope I've uh, this recording has led into the beginning of week five in the NFL. Go downstairs and watch it now. Uh, hope you do too, and I hope you enjoy uh, the rest of the MLB playoffs. Talk to you. Hopefully, I'm a you know, get my head in front of between my legs and uh, do this episode on an actual Saturday instead of procrastinating to a Sunday. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode of the Amatella TIS podcast. I'm your host, Jai Shields. See you or talk to you next week. Take care and God bless. See you.